Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Lays Mountain Roast for our basketball podcast. We are talking... NCAA tournament, NIT coaching changes. Uh, Jeremy Moss with Eli Betker. We're we left Vegas and now we're back doing this again somewhere else, not in Vegas because that got lost to the ether. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's March Madness time, but it also kind of feels like the off season has begun already. Oh, we had coaching. Yeah, we'll get to it right away. But oh, actually, um, first off, if you found our website, a lot of people, a lot of people did. Thank you, MWR.com. If you stumble across our podcast after the fact. Like I mentioned in the Periscope video, which I think did okay in the parking lot, the Thomas and Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Super duper records. Amazing. Most I've ever done. Not me, obviously, but I've been part of forever. Not just at this place, but anywhere. So thank you. And it's still going strong. So now we're back. And yes, off season because not one, not two, three coaching changes. Yeah, I guess we'll dive right into it. So we also we already know about Larry Eustachie. We had Justin Michael come on and talk about that one. He was... He resigned and retired shortly after, so that's already one vacancy. And uh, Utah State decided to terminate Tim Durier after just three seasons in Logan, which is also maybe a bit of a surprise. And Fresno State's Rodney Terry, he up and left, and he's headed to UTEP out of Conference USA. So we already have three vacancies out of 11 teams in the Mountain West, and maybe there are more to come. You you just never know. Well, and bring it on even further – there's two coaches this past year, first year head coaches, or no, no, excuse me, Paul, yeah, Paul Weir, and San Jose State. That's right, first year head coach, Marvin Menzies, year two. Like the league has, like, is, who's the longest tenured coach now? Is it uh, oh, Leon Rice? Yeah, I guess. It's, yeah, it's probably Rice. Yeah, Rice. Jeez, yeah, you got Alan Edwards is what year two, right? Is that for him as well? Year two. Yep. It's a lot. Like I mentioned before, one of our previous shows, like. Rodney Terry was the only current Mountain West coach to have it, or yeah, I guess current redundant, but only Mountain West coach to have a conference tournament title. And then Brian Dutcher year one as well. So it's like, there's gonna be a lot of new, like not out. What Eric Musselman is second on the seniority list at year number three. I, I think so. This was the first year ever in Mountain West tournament history that two first year head coaches met in the championship game with Brian Dutcher and Paul Weir. Well, yeah, so Steve, there's a lot of youth at the head coaching position. Well, they had Steve Fisher and he made 10 of those. So <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> yeah. And then who was it before? I guess with, uh, Dave Rice at BYU, they made a few appearances. Uh, yeah. Coogler or Ron. Yeah. What's his name? Coogler. What's his name? Long, long Coog. Long. Lon Kruger. I'm thinking like Freddy Krueger or Kluger. I don't know. <laughs> like there's not many. Like oh, man. he won a couple and then obviously. Yeah. But it's just crazy because we sort of called Utah State. This could be the case. But I felt after the winning and making semifinals, oh, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind to be honest. But I figured that, oh, they're doing well enough. There's no reason to fire the coach because they had a, what, 500 record to finish the year, I believe. But I don't know. Dude, you know what? To be honest, the Utah State firing – is something that I predicted heading into the year. I didn't think that Tim Durier would return for the 2018-19 season. And I guess it, it doesn't mean that I thought he deserved to be fired. A lot of people thought that I was anti-Tim Durier or I thought that he should be fired or things like that. I didn't think that. I thought that the Utah State administration would be impatient with Tim Durier after what Stu Morrill accomplished. And I wrote that in my column yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what happened. After three years, Tim Durie, a 500, about, right around 500 head coach with Utah State, is on his way out of the door. So I, I think it's mostly just impatience on Utah State's part. He's been dealt a, a bit of a difficult hand with injuries and transfers and whatnot. Yeah, I felt like one more year. Like I, I, I was, I think I was. You were more not harsh, but more likely think he'd be gone than I was. But I wasn't very optimistic. You know what I mean? Like it was a, the, it was, it's not surprising me that surprising to me now he's gone. And during the off season, when we did our preview stuff, we mentioned we were questioned because year three, it's like, you got to show me something may not be fired, but you figured year four would be really important for him. But it's, here's the thing too. It's like, 
like I mentioned this a million times before, like I'm looking at Stu Morrill's stuff here. Back when he went into Big West, like the re- it's like the jump. Like we mentioned when we had um, Will Maupin on about Creighton get- getting called up, all these teams getting bigger and bigger conferences. Butler, Wichita State going from like Missouri Valley or Butler going to Horizon A10 and uh, Big East right now. It's a big step. But Utah State hasn't fared that well. Like Stu Morrill had that record of 20 plus wins for what, a decade at least? A- after year one, every year he had 20 plus wins, but three. And two of those were in the Mountain West at 18 wins, which is for your first year, first two years in the league, that's a big deal. They won 30 games in the WAC twice. They won, never won 30 games in the Big West, but we also know Utah State would struggle paper thin. And Tim Duria tried to fix that this past couple of years by doing a, a, f- a few better things. But I think maybe they're, not to say they're spoiled, but they're, Aggies used to winning. Like they're winning NCAA tournament games, making the NCAA tournament, going undefeated in conference play. But the Big West to the WAC, sizable jump whack to mountain west this is what year five for them to mountain west you think they'd figure out a little bit but it's it's the jump but also it's five years in like it shouldn't be that you know i mean you should be able to figure it out by now but the david collette situation didn't help them what happened last was last off season very beginning of the year he was gone tampering like even Stu morales first two years in mountain west 18 and 18 when so like they drastically dropped off like if you look at league play They've had the same league record in four, including back to Stu Morrill, three of the five years, seven wins. One year of eight, this year, eight wins. And so they've been just bad in the Mountain West. Like, really bad. And they've had plenty of talent as well. They had Jalen Moore, mm-hmm. uh, who I thought was maybe not utilized properly. Kobe McEwen and Sam Merrill, as, as good of a backcourt as you can find in the Mountain West. So I was looking forward to what this team could accomplish next season. If you return McEwen, Merrill, uh, you would you would have returned D'Angelo Isby, but he reportedly quit the team the night before the semifinal game and some other nice pieces that I think you could build around. But instead, what we'll probably see is Utah State. Obviously, they're going to make a head coaching change, so we'll see how that sorts itself out. But I would not be surprised if some of these big names on the Utah State roster decided to head in opposite directions. Um, McEwen has legitimate pro potential. Merrill, I think just about every coach in the country would want to have a shooter like him on his roster. We saw what he did in Vegas and just such an excellent pure shooter. Um, so I think that Utah State, with this move, it will set them back at least a couple years from contention in the Mountain West. Yeah, it, and then was it a- – didn't we discuss early in the season? You were somewhere else that people, somebody connected to uh, McEwen was trying to get him out of town last year. That's correct. Yeah, there was uh, some coaches that were reportedly shady. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And McEwen is such a talented guy coming out of Toronto, and a lot of coaches were interested in him. But Tim Durier did accuse some people of potentially poaching McEwen to go to other schools, and that honestly might be the end result he might be headed out of town uh, but that's just purely speculation but McEwen has the chops to go play just so anywhere across the country yeah, and one reason like if Salt Lake Tribune actually is doing some not say actually but nobody covers Utah State that much we've done a good job and I was just checking Salt Lake Tribune they have a few things out they don't they sort of have a guy who covers the Aggies but not really um, the guy that they, they, every every good guy they had has moved up to cover a different sport or a different team. It's so it's once you're good at that, be it's like all right, go cover the Utes, go, go cover the Jazz. But they have something here, like basically the ADs, like he's pretty blunt. Basically, tickets season ticket sales is the reason why he was fired, and that can go that goes hand in hand with them not playing well, having a forty seven forty nine record. Because the spectrum used to be like when they're in the Big West playing like Long Beach State when they're really good. You see Irvine when they have some pretty good players, just packed. When they get BYU to come to town every now and then or get somebody decent, it's like 10,000 fans. You know what I mean? Like in 2014, they averaged 9,829 fans. This past year, 6,872 with a uh, much better competition. Better, well, I guess 2014 still in the Mountain West, but like, hold on, wait, 2014, what were they in? Oh, let's see. That was Stu Merle's final year. That's what it is, yeah. And so they weren't anything great that year either. They were two years removed from the whack, but that's a. Basically, the question was asked, what's the trajectory of the program? And here's actually right here every um, couple, a little bit more tidbits on the fan apathy thing. 2017, or let me go back to 2014, I mentioned 98, 29, 
2015, 91-58, 88-74. And this year, a huge drop to 68-72. And Utah State will still owe Duryea $379,000. And so it seems like, like, how much can you blame the coach for people not showing up? That can't all be – I know wins and losses if you're winning good, but how much can you put down the coach? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can only put so much on the coach. And I do believe that Duryea did not meet expectations heading into the – Heading into his tenure, I mean, three years of 500 ball with a lot of talent, but he was dealt a pretty difficult hand. You know, Julian Perry, he suffered a number number of injuries. He missed about half of his senior season and looked awesome down the stretch. Norbert Janicek, if we want to go all the way back, mm-hmm. he had to have foot surgery before the season even began, and he was expected to be their big man inside. So Utah State had to have a, a shortened lineup throughout the year, and they did manage fairly well but it could have been it could have been a solid team I'll, I'll leave it at that it could have been a solid team that could have finished in the top half of the Mountain West this year and would have made things interesting in terms of auto bid status but instead they have a head coaching vacancy and a lot of question marks ahead of them okay do you buy this quote that Hartwell says the phone's been blowing up since Duryea's been let go do you buy that I mean, there has to be a decent amount of interest. I don't. I think blowing up is probably a bit of an overstatement, but it's not a terrible job. I think there are a number of coaches across the country that are looking for a head coaching, uh, head coaching position. They would probably be interested in coaching in Logan. Here's a quick note. Because I may do an article on this, or maybe you know, collaborate like some coaching can. I already got two guys in my mind right now who should be considered. Maybe a third, third one Utah fans would be familiar with, but probably don't like. Um, actually, there's four maybe I could think of real quick. I'll mention those. But uh, Hartwell's been contacted, obviously, by Division One coaches. Um, he basically says it's not required to have Utah ties, which, or but although they need understanding of the blueprint for success. So it doesn't mean a guy who's at, in, the, in the state, but obviously if you want to do that, here's what you can go with. You already know one name I'm going with, right, Eli? You want to say it for oh, me? Oh, yeah. Yep. Do it. Mark Pope. Yes. Why not? The Pope. Just yeah, the Pope. He needs hey the 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 Aggie fan Pope passed away. He can take over for that. <laughs> if there's any name that I've seen the most in the Utah State head coaching search after a handful of hours, it's certainly Mark Pope or Randy Ray at Weber State. Yeah, that one's been popular he's as well. Been he has more experience than Mark Pope at the obviously he's been at Weber State for a while. Um, coaching Damian Lillard, Lillard helps quite a bit. He's been to many NCAA tournaments. Think I'm not sure he's a coach when they nearly made Sweet 16 and beat Florida that year, but he's been around for a while. So those are two names. Um, I could see um, people don't like this, but Ray Giacoletti coached the University of Utah for a while. Is he still at Gonzaga? I think so. I I know I just wrote down his name a few weeks ago. So like that's that's kind of off the radar, but he has head coaching. Oh, experience. sorry, no, no, he's at Drake. My bad. Oh, is he the head coach there now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, I don't know. I knew that. I knew that was familiar. Yeah, that's my. Oh no, no problem. I, I, I knew. I wasn't sure if he left, but Drake, Utah State. I don't know. How's Drake doing this year? Do you have that offhand? Mm, No, but I think they're doing decent. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the the names that you mentioned are, are basically the ones that came to mind first for me. Or, Dave Rice. Come on. Yeah, he's. I mean, he comes up everywhere, doesn't he? I'm just saying. Not Trent Richards, not Trent Johnson, right? Can we disagree? Not Trent Johnson. Yeah, let's. We can shut down the Trent Johnson one. I'd have to. <laughs> I'd have to look who's on like University of Utah staff or maybe even BYU staff because it'd be something decent. Um, one name to maybe look out for. Um, oh shoot, oh, I'm spacing on him right now. Southern Utah head coach. Who's that again? He's UNLV assistant Todd Simon. Yes, Todd Ma- Simon. Maybe that could make sense a little bit. Maybe, yeah. They've had some struggles, but... That can make sense. I'm just... He might be low on the list, but just the name, not because he's in the state, but Mountain West experience ties to... Wasn't he assistant Bishop Gorman for a number of years before he followed up with um, UNLV for a bit, I believe? Yeah, I... uh, Excuse me. Todd Simon would make sense for the position, but I think your number two targets have to be uh, Randy Ray and Mark Pope. Yeah, unless there's somebody... like Obviously, just... They, yeah, they make the most sense because location-wise, they're familiar with the area. They've had success at each school. Like right now, UVU is in the CBI again. I think they're playing tonight against Eastern Washington. But uh, yeah, they made it to the finals last year. No, no, they almost they lost to Wyoming, and Wyoming went to Coastal Carolina. But those are probably the two top names. Maybe some Utah system I have to, have to look into. But uh, yeah, let's move on to that. We gotta make this quick. We got NCAA stuff. But so uh, let's go to Fresno State, <laughs> shall we, Eli? Yeah, just one vacancy to another. Let's do it. This one, this came out of nowhere. 
like literally nowhere. I only saw it because I saw it on Twitter. It was the guys from I think under Bulldog. I think you Matt retweeted, I believe the Bulldog bounce guys over there. What are they? Twenty four seven or Scout, whatever. Those guys, they put a tweet, like, just a little question mark emoji, like the guy rubbing his chin. I'm like, wait a minute. So I go to the El Paso Times. Yes, he's been interviewed. I'm like, when did the interview? Around that caught me by surprise as well. And mm-hmm. then I wrote an article during the tournament. Like, I get this up. Blew up. People read about it, looked into it. It's amazing. Thank you to stop by, I guess. But doing some research on it, it's weird because the Fresno State Athletic Department is a mess. Like, even going back to Jeff Tedford being hired, I still don't agree how it was done, even though he's done well. Like, Jim Barco zeroed in on Tedford from day zero, essentially, before he's hired. But this scenario, here's what I came found out from research. There's been some friction with an athletic department, which I guess some people are saying, mild, mild, that's mildly putting it. There was a deal when he signed his last contract, an extension. There's no buyout included, which is stupid. Like, you got to protect yourself somehow. Even if it's a quarter million dollars. Protect, that's, like, that's like two games you could buy to bring in if you want to. To bring in some smaller school for some wins. That's for basketball. That's plenty of money to do that to bring in whomever. You know what I mean? Like some not, DJ, but you know what I mean. Just bring in a, a, a gimme game essentially for the most part. So there's no buyout. It took them eight months to finalize the contract because there's this clause in place where you don't hear it anymore because it's the reason because it's stupid. Instead of a coach being released or fired, or like oh he's like made some special assistant to that. This happened with Steve Cleveland. He was a prior Fresno coach a while ago. He was put as some special assistant to the AD or president. Basically, to sideline him and get him paid. It's like nobody does that anymore. And they, it took him eight months to get rid of that. But to go to UTEP, he's going to take a pay cut, going to a worse program. And then also, Ronnie Terry says he can't do any more Fresno State. I'm like, you want a Mount West title like two years ago. And you're going to UTEP, who, well, yes, they've had some success in basketball, but not recently. They, I don't think, did they ever make an NCAA tournament under Tim Floyd? I don't think so. Unless it was his first season, I know they had Randy Culpepper and those guys there on that pretty solid minors team, but I don't know if it was under him. No, it wasn't. It was the last year of Tony Barbie. And then, like this, you need to get the Texas Western thing. Yeah, they that's a, sixty years ago. It's great. They I remember <laughs> one one year they beat Memphis for a conference USA title when it was held on the forum, FedEx Forum. They beat Memphis there for the title. That's a pretty big deal. They've just been like UTEP has a pretty good basketball history. It's not amazing. But they should be better than what they are. I know Conference USA is taking a downturn and it's just expansion and everything, but it should be better than what it is. Like, even like Tim Floyd there, he won 58% of his games. They made it to two, two NITs, won 20 games three times, 19 games, won 18 the other. He, so, like, he's, they're, they've been decent. Like, they've never been great, but it's like, what, do you, like, historically, I could agree, I could make the argument UTEP's a better job than Fresno State in basketball history. Definitely. Yeah. No, I agree with you with that. But the league you're in, you're going to get made more in the Mountain West. Maybe it's not money. I know. The funny thing is, like, oh, he's from Texas. I'm like, dude, El Paso's not even really in Texas. Come on. And El Paso is at least 600 miles from where he grew up. Yeah. He co- is it, was it Arlington or Angleton? I forget. But he has a UT assistant for a couple years. I'm like, UT and Austin's like, dude, that's like Mars. You know what I mean? It's like, you you tapped El Paso. It's like, I mean, not, sorry, not the same place. You tapped to Texas Tech. Lubbock to El Paso's not an easy drive, man. It's it's like, well, let's get you tapped the conference for recruiting. I'm like, what recruiting? You're going to get some kid from Houston where, did you, okay, legit fact. Like, you it is closer to go to LA than it is to Galveston, which is our outside of Houston. Go to really? the beach. To go to the beach in El Paso, you'd rather go to LA than you'd go to Galveston, wow. Texas, which is sixty miles southeast of Houston. I would not have guessed that. I knew, I mean I knew the distance was far, but that's a pretty interesting yeah. fact. I've driven from Houston to Utah. I don't go through El Paso, but I spend it's a, if I drive straight through it's like twenty two hours. I think sixteen of those hours are in the state of Texas. <laughs> I go through Lubbock and up there a little bit. Go through, I think, Albuquerque a little bit. So I don't go quite down there through El Paso, but it's 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 on its own, man. You're basically in Mexico. Like, you're right there by Juarez or whatever's across the border. And so I, I can see how it's a better job historically, but he's one – I don't know. It's it's just a weird situation. And now you have um, that guy, F.A. F- I'm going to butcher his name. F.A. Ortegay is going to explore his options. 6'8 power forward, going to come to the fall to the school now – not so fast. So, yeah, it's it is an interesting situation, especially because uh, Rodney Terry isn't even two years removed from signing a contract extension that guaranteed 
that he'd be on the sidelines in Fresno until 2021. Yeah. So what my understanding was is Fresno State was invested in Terry as they rightfully should. Well, not, He's not a, a number wait, wait, wait. of 20 win seasons. Not if yeah, they, go ahead. Not if they don't give him a buyout. Dude, what's your, like, that's going to protect yourself and have confidence in your coach because if you're confident in your coach, you'll make a high buyout so teams will have to pay to get him out of there. Do they really like him? I'm just saying, like, is it or is it just bad contract negotiation because the AD was a dummy? I, I, I mean, it could be both. It's but hard to tell. If, you're, if I'm the AD of Fresno State and my head coach is ensuring that the Bulldogs will be top four in the Mountain West year in and year out, winning 20-plus games and contending for NCAA tournament bids, sign me up for that every single time because I don't know how attainable that is with the Fresno State program for – 5, 10, 15 year periods and what Rodney Terry was able to do is I guess rejuvenate this program. There were just so many years under Steve Cleveland where this team was I mean, was just not very good winning 13, 14, 15 games. Terry comes in and immediately makes Fresno State a contender and now they lose their head coach and just like Utah State they have to start from square one. So I thought that Fresno State was heavily invested in Terry and I thought that Terry was a good coach to invest in because I think he knows how to get things done and recruit the area of California. But um, I guess the marriage just wasn't meant to be. So he's off to UTEP, and who knows how that's going to pan out because that UTEP program is basically a mess right now. And in Conference USA, that that's, is a league that has had a downward trajectory, like you mentioned, for the last however many years. They just can't seem to retain any of the quality programs. I don't, I don't well, know Kermit if I Davis love this is thing. probably on his way out too. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, but I mean the hits just keep coming for the Conference USA, and the Mountain West is just so much healthier, especially with the rumors of Gonzaga and maybe even BYU joining. Um, maybe UTEP rejoins the Mountain West and Terry's right back to where he was. I don't know, uh, but it's a it's an interesting <laughs> move. Yeah, really good Conference USA, Middle Tennessee State, twenty five wins, Conference champs. Old Dominion, twenty five. Western Kentucky, twenty five. Marshall, twenty four wins. UAB, twenty wins. It's like. I'm, I, don't well, look, I mean, let me let me tell you the programs that Conference USA has lost in the last well, 13 yeah. years. I'm, I was looking for a more original yeah. Conference USA team. might be La Tech, and they were 17 and 16. The Conference USA has lost, and I'm, I'm not going to name them all here because they've lost Memphis, so many members, but the notable ones, they've lost Cincinnati, Louisville, Marquette, right. St. Louis, TCU, Houston, Memphis, SMU, uh, Tulsa, so they, I mean, everyone that's been relevant within the conference USA is pretty much up and left. Yeah, and it's I, I have no clue. And also, we should mention I got tagged. Our, I like how the Fresno basketball tags us in all their tweets. So thank you for that, Byron Jones, interim coach. He will get you. Met, you said well, you told me before he he is getting an interview. And there are other coaches you you can't mention, but there are other interviews as well. They're deep in the process, essentially, right? I don't, I don't know if they're deep in the process, but there is certainly some interest in Fresno State, and I think there has to be when you, you have the opportunity to coach a pretty solid program in California and have a lot of talent in that area. But, yes, I do know of two names. One that we know publicly is Byron Jones, the interim head coach, who will be interviewing for the position, and I do know of at least one more that expects to interview. All right, so r- really quick, here's we'll move on to game stuff at the moment, but you mentioned the tournament success. I went to the Fresno State Wiki basketball page, and Rodney Terry took them to the CBI pretty far in 2014, to the finals, yeah, to the finals. They lost to Siena. He made it to the um, NIT last year in 2017, and the NCAA tournament 2016 where they upset Aztecs to get that 14 seed to get blown up by Utah as a three seed. Prior to those ex- tournament games, do you want to guess when their last any tournament appearance was in? Like, just give me the year. Mm, like 2002 or three or something? Close. Oh, they went to the NIT in 07. So a 10-year gap. So almost a 10-year gap. Oof, yeah. They went to NIT in 2002 and like 2000, 2000. Like, look from, like, look from the late 90s. Like, let's go to 94. That's mid to late 90s. NIT 94, NIT 96, NIT 97, NIT 98, 99, 02, NCAA tournament in 2000, 2001. So they're decent success, but then they dropped, I think as a Paul George years perhaps, I don't recall, but basically from 04 until Terry, they've been awful and the whack and everything. And so it's, I don't know, and, and their 2000, for whatever reason, I don't know why, their 2000 whack tournament title was vacated. I have no clue what that was from. 
I, you know what? I guess the good news is, uh, because we're, we're talking about the lackluster history of Fresno State, the good news is coaches who are looking for their first, maybe their first head coaching job, maybe they're looking for an improvement, they can look at Fresno State and see what Rodney Terry did in such a, such a short span and see how close Fresno State is to relevancy. Because prior to Terry, as you mentioned, the success was few and far between. And Terry came in, and within three years, he had this whole thing turned around. Yeah, so, like, who, like, I know we mentioned the interim coach, but, like, we mentioned a few names for Utah State coach. Like, hey, I can still see Randy Ray being a consideration for this coach. That could make some sense from Weber State. But, like, they are paying Ter- Terry, what, 600000 I believe, in that range? No. Um, I wish I had in front of me. But not, not one of the top coaches. But, like, what coach are they going to get in here? Like, similar thing to Utah State. Maybe coaching experience, maybe California experience. It's. I have no clue who has connections to Fresno at the moment. To, I should look that up, but I don't know what they're going to do. It just seems. It's just bizarre. They screwed this up royally. Yeah, I I think they did. But if you're Fresno State and you're able to land a power conference assistant, I guess like what San Jose State San Jose State did this mm-hmm. past off season with John Prelo, that would be good. Or maybe you get a rising mid or low major head coach. And I they, think both posi- both levels of head coaching would be interested in this position. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be able to get Kermit Davis to come to town, right? No. Mm-mm. What that about um, Josh? Um, who is it from UTA? Josh Prelu? Is that who that is? For UTA no, Arlington? Not Prelu. Who's he? Who's at UTA? Um, Scott Cross. Scott Cross. Think that'd be maybe. Uh, I think he can hold up for a better job. That's what, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but I, I, there should be plenty of interest in Fresno State, though. It's an attractive area for recruiting, and mm-hmm. like I said, you can get the ship turned around in a fairly short span. Yeah, because they're decent this year at times, but. All right, let's get to games. All right, we're halfway through this, so we're going to wrap go quickly. NIT, real quick. If you hear this for the NIT game, thank you. You're awesome. Boise State takes on Washington. Road game, despite being a higher seed because um, the NCAA tournament's taken over Boise. So you're familiar with Washington a bit more. My research has shown. Here's my quick research. Tell me if I'm how close I am. Also, real quick, 7 Pacific on ESPN3 only, so more disrespect, I'll call it. So get out your streaming stick or whatever you do to watch this game. <laughs> but Washington's pretty good on defense. I did notice, so I saw some article where they did defensive ratings, but they didn't clarify what metric goes from. But basically any team that's better than Washington defensively, which is still a pretty good team, they're 9-12. and 12. And Boise State fits that metric where they're a better defensive team than Washington. So there's that. Washington's defense itself is, what, top 30, top 35 in turnover percentage? And they're top 25 in blocks and steals. And they have four guys who could score about 60 points a game. Does that sum it up, essentially? Is that a quick, yeah, quick yeah definitely. That's a good, yeah, it's a good quick hitter. I think this will be a good matchup. Uh, you have two talented guys at the wing positions. And Chandler Hutchinson of Boise, of course, and Jalen Noel from Washington. I watch the Huskies a lot, obviously, as a University of Washington student. And I think the key for Boise will just be keeping Washington off the boards and Boise has far more size than Washington does. Uh, UW's tallest or biggest player is Noah Dickerson, and he's just 6'5", 255. Oh or excuse me, excuse me, 6'8", 255. Okay, um, so, <laughs> yes, yes, so uh, just an inch taller than Chandler Hutchison. Um, but or, I think, or, yeah, yeah. You said 6'8", six, six, right? Yes. Or four inches taller than me. Okay. All <laughs> just right. Saying. Yeah. So, so that actually makes it makes uh, Dickerson seem pretty tall because you're pretty tall compared to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, two teams that get after it defensively. You'll see a lot of zone because Mike Hopkins, who is the Jim Beheim disciple at, at excuse me at Syracuse, obviously implemented a ton of two three zone, and that opens things up for Boise State to shoot threes, which they've struggled to do a bit down the stretch. That's one of the reasons they were just three and four in their final seven games as they had some struggles shooting from the perimeter. So I think that'll be key for Boise. If they can warm up from three-point range and if Hutchison can attack and, and be busy inside, I think Boise State will be just fine on the road. Well, Coach Rice laughs and says, bring it on about the extended three-point line if they're going to play zone. So let's get to that really quick. There's new rules as well, experimental rules. So if you're wondering what the heck's going on, here's what's going on. Um, Three-point line extended, one foot, eight inches, so it's the same as FIBA, so Olympic International. Free throw lane will be widened, widened so consistent with NBA, so it's about 12 to 16 feet. Um, you have four 10-minute quarters, so no half, well, no halves, but quarters. Um, 
they are they're doing this dumb thing, the foul thing again. That was so confusing last last year, where teams will shoot two free throws beginning with the fifth foul of each quarter. Is that better than I don't? Do, was it something awkward like that last year where you wait? So so the bonus starts after five fouls for each quarter. Here's what it says: Teams will shoot two free throws beginning with the fifth foul of each quarter. So there's no one and one. No, so, come on, that's so, lame. So it's yeah, two free throws after the fifth foul of each quarter. So it resets. So and that's that. Those five fouls can come up pretty quickly, and then you get a shot clock will reset to twenty seconds after an offensive rebound instead of the full thirty. Um, you know what this sounds like to me? What it sounds like the NCAA wants college basketball to seem just like the NBA, and I don't like that. Yeah. So you don't like the two two free throw attempts or. No, I, I like uh, shooting one-on-one. I like that it, it, from an excitement perspective and from just, uh, I don't know, I just like one-on-one a lot better. I And the, you can progress from bonus to double bonus. I like that. Quarters, I think is, I don't know, I think mm. save that for the pros. I, I think halves works just fine. It's The quarters just bother me. Three-point lines, like, I guess it's, because it's already been extended a little bit because FIBA, what is it? It's it's a one foot back. So FIBA's not NBA length, but I think FIBA length is fine, but they've already moved it back a little bit. It's the free throw thing is weird. I agree with you where if they're going to do it by, they did something weird, more difficult last year, more awkward, but it's, yeah, what it it is exciting. If one on one, if you're going to make it or not, maybe, I don't know what they would do unless they do, maybe do something for the half instead. So instead of doing, Five free throws after the each quarter, maybe make like five free throws, like do it for the half. So after five, it's one and one. Like, what's the rule now? I actually don't know what it is. How many fouls is it before one and one? So it's half? it's seven seven fouls to get to one and one, ten okay. for the double bonus, and it obviously resets after the half ends, which I think is perfect the way it is. Yeah, if they're gonna do it through for the quarters, I don't know. Maybe keep it at five for one and one, and maybe make it I don't know eight for I don't know bonus, but still it's. Yeah, that's. I think that's just going to extend the game so much. Yeah, I think you could do quarters and still keep fouls yeah. the same. So you can run up if you're in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, you get your seventh team foul, mm-hmm. then that goes to one and one. But yeah. I guess the good thing is that they're experimenting with rules; they're not just immediately implementing them without any uh, trial and error. Well, they've had the everything's the same except for from last year. They had the. I think the only difference from this year to last year is the three point line and free throw extension. The quarters was the same as last year. The fa- the the double bonus was I think it's very similar, if not the same from last year. And the shot clock was the same as last year, where it resets at twenty on offensive rebound. I'm fine with free throw and or free throw width and three point length. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fine. Mm-hmm. One on one just makes it exciting. It's like, oh, what's gonna happen? So Yeah, especially late in the game, you get a one on one. That's it, that's pretty intense. Yeah, because five fouls like right away, it's okay. I got two shots, whatever. Um I don't know. Anything else we didn't mention real quick about the Boise game? Leon Rice is excited. Um, Boise's probably not going to get another home game all year. Because what's the schedule? Is it Wednesday? It's once a week, so, essentially. For yeah, NIT, Boise right? has Boi- – I'm not sure what the NIT schedule is, but Boise has games I, – I think it's Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, and oh, for the uh, NCAAs, yeah. So they play yes. Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe it's quicker. I don't know. I, the NIT has a little more of a staggered schedule, so – Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get that later. But let's get to the NCAA tournament games. You ready? Have you filled out your whole bracket yet? Because I have not. I have, but I'm I'm making edits pretty much as we speak. So I, mean, I can I always fill out that initial bracket and make so many changes. I've been listening to do yourself a favor and go listen to um, CBS Iron College Basketball podcast because those guys. I don't listen like I'm one of those people who listens for the month of March and that's about it. Maybe the random <laughs> off season show, but they do a great job. And I love Gary Paris. He's like. Me and him think a lot alike because people bash in St. Mary's. He gives a legitimate reason to say why they shouldn't be in the field. <laughs> like, really good reasons. <laughs> like, you, you've you heard that one, right? The first one they did a couple of days ago? No, I haven't. I haven't heard them in a few, few days. They, this one comes full circle because St. Mary's, Mountain West, perhaps. Come in, who never knows if they're one of the teams speaking with to join. But they turned down. They bought out their Grand Canyon game, which had been a good quality game, to at least top 200, maybe top 180. Uh, RPI Kempom, they they had opportunities to schedule Creighton, Nevada, Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island, and Grand Canyon. Turn them all down. Essentially, that's all you need for an at-large bid. That's literally all you need. Because he mentioned a very good chance. Because had 
Because he's ba- basically Gary Paris. It makes a lot of sense. So if you play Nevada and lose, you're not in the tournament. You're not in the tournament anyways if you're playing UC Division three school. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, so, it's ridiculous. It's like, okay, play Creighton. Play Rhode Island. If you lose, you're still not in. But if you play this Air Force, not Air Force, but sub-250 team, you're not in anyways. Play these games like... And you know how it is. Like, coaches try to get games in August of the upcoming year. It's not football where it takes five years, eight years down the road. There's coaches he's mentioned. He gets text, hey, do you know who needs a game? I'm sitting here August 1st. I need a game for, you know what I mean, first week of December before league play starts. Games are scheduled last minute. Like, there's a game when I was covering BYU. BYU-Princeton literally came together like a week before the season started. And it was the opener for both schools. And so they can't tell us. Like, and Randy Bennett knows this. He brings these great players back, and then this is what they reward him with. You can't just beat Gonzaga and hope you get in, right? You Once. would you would think by the third time, this is basically the third yes. time that St. Mary's was in the mix for an NCAA tournament at large berth and didn't make it. You would think by at least the second time he'd acknowledge the fact that I need to schedule better or I will not be an at be an at large bid, despite who's on my roster, how many games we win. Um, and I, I joked about this early in the year. Remember all the scrimmages and, and charity mm-hmm. events that they had for the different causes. Hurricanes. I, Nevada, stuff, I believe. Yeah. yeah, I think Nevada played Grand Canyon. BYU played New Mexico, yeah. Yeah, there, there are a number of those. And I, I joked that some of these teams, some of these mid-majors would end up with better secret scrimmage or charity <laughs> events than they would have scheduled non-conference games the whole year yeah and uh that is that was certainly the case for some of these teams and mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if st mary's scheduled one i mean they, if they did they definitely didn't leave california but if they yeah. did schedule <laughs> one, um i it has to be better than anything that's on a non-conference slate but i mean come on you have to schedule better especially when you have so much talent and i'm i'm glad for the most part i that most of the coaches in the Mountain West are willing to schedule if they do get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, Utah State tried to after Stu Morrill. It's kind of like everybody try. Like, there's some quasi-penalty if you don't schedule, but everybody attempts to for the most part. Like, it's gotten it's, – it takes time, but it's gotten a little bit better here and there. Like, we know Aztecs can get games. Rebels can get games. That's not, in New Mexico can typically, typically get games, but uh, we'll see. Let's give the games. Yeah, Nevada have- did a tremendous job this year, I thought, with how they – yeah. They made their schedule because they have a number of winnable games, and they did that by going on the road. And committee has said time and time again, you need to go on the road in non-conference and TCU, pick up some Texas road Tech, wins. Yeah. So yeah, I thought Nevada did a tremendous job, and that's why they're a number seven seed in this year's tournament. I think St. Mary's tried to bank on going to the Wooden Classic. It's like, well, yeah. you play Washington State and lose. What do you expect? Come on. Yep. Go one and two. Yeah. All right. Let's get to games here. So, uh, oh, my bracket schedule here. So Thursday is the first Mountain West game. Oh, my. It's um, Texas and UNLV, right? They're Thursday or Nevada, right? They're Thursday. I yes, they, <laughs> there's yes, too they many are. games. No, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Thursday is San Diego State Houston. They're ah. playing at four twenty Pacific in the, Wichita on TBS. Yes, so that's good. Um, TBS game. That's e afternoon. I, I, oh, I meant yeah, it's right four twenty because I mentioned Vernon West Coast. Yeah, just take half day. You know what I mean? It's okay. yeah, it's, might as well. Call it sick now. Everybody's gonna take the days off anyways. Get the March Madness app. E- all that fun, all that great stuff. So, Wichita, you see Wichita State fans are teaming up with Aztec fans to fill up the arena? Is that what's going on? Yeah, that's what that thing is. So, if you see, we get tagged on Twitter by, maybe for one of the, we get tagged by random coaches in the Mountain West about stuff. That's cool. As, as I scroll through our timeline, since Fresno tags us, I get about 20 retweets or likes. Um, yeah, the San Diego <laughs> State, the Shockers Aztecs Alliance. Oh, yeah, J.D. Paul, just a coach. I He's, can get behind this. Yeah, Aztec Shocker Alliance. So um, that'd be pretty cool. So this game, it's against Houston, who's pretty good. They did some research on the Cougars. They nearly won Conference USA. Or, oh, geez, not Conference USA. Back on that. The American Conference um, lost to Cincinnati in the championship game. They've been ranked in the top 20, where they 21 the highs, high points. They, have a, um, they are favored by four points against Aztecs. However, I was talk- talking to the guys from, was it? Fox Sports, whatever, in San Diego. I haven't. I studied a little bit more in Houston, but basically my take was it doesn't matter who they play. The way the Aztecs are playing, let the other team adjust to you because he, they'll scout Houston, whatever they want to do offensively and defensively, but the way they've been attacking, like we saw there in Las Vegas, they're getting every loose ball, every rebound, every block, every steal, pushing the ball. I don't care if the other team brings it. If they do that, they'll be fine. I, I'm I'm not loving this matchup for San Diego State. I don't think it's the worst matchup they could have ended up with. Uh, but 
I really like the six seeds in this year's bracket, so I was hoping for San Diego State's case that they would end up on the 12 line, and or 12 or 13 line, and end up with a game in Boise. But I don't think travel is going to be that bad of a deal, especially as you mentioned, if there's some sort of alliance between the fan bases that makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But I have seen Houston play a number of times this year, and I'm pretty impressed with this group. They have a go-to score in Rob Gray, mm-hmm. who's one of the best uh, shot creators in the NCAA tournament this year. And they have a n- number of quality supporting cast members. They have Devin Davis, who's a nice forward. Corey Davis, who I want to say he hit four or five three-pointers against Cincinnati and in a game that ended up 56-55 to 55 in the AAC tournament. So it's not like it was a game that had a ton of points being scored. So yeah, Houston's got a two good seed, team. Two-seed Cincinnati as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like they were in the mix with some at, some uh, team that was in at-large contention or something like that. Um, and they do have an excellent coach on the sidelines in Kelvin Sampson who has been around for quite a while and has coached in a number of big games in his career. Yeah, so Oklahoma played. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, – I, I think it'll be a really good game. I'd be surprised if it wasn't competitive. It should be because, yeah, they like they beat Wichita State. They well, UConn's not great this year, but they're beating good, decent teams. That SMU beat UConn. Um, Wichita State twice, actually. I didn't realize that twice. That's pretty pretty big deal. Pro, um, Providence, are, are they decent this year? I forget. They beat them by 11 yeah, points. Yeah, they're, they're solid, and they also beat Cincinnati at home. Oh, that's right. And since I was going through, they smoked and Arkansas, Arkansas as well. Smoked Arkansas. And so they, they play, they've, like, that's the schedule you want. They Played LSU close, lost by a couple. But they, they're a team where, like, Houston, they're known for, like, five, like years ago, it's like with, they lost to Jim Valbano, but, like, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dave Rice, Clyde Drexler, like, all these great guy Lewis, who is Guy Lewis in the Hall of Fame yet? He better be if he's not. People always complain about that. <laughs> I think he finally made it. But, like, people kind of know who they are, but, like, not to go all historical and, like, this team, whatever, but – they pretty good team. Like they're a program overall. Like they have guys who can score points. They're top twenty Ken Palm offense and defensive efficiency. They're like we look at their ranking. They're what they seventeen. They're higher than like a lot of four and five seats. Like they're right next to Xavier's a one seat who's at fourteen in Ken Palm and Houston seventeen. So they're a team where like I don't know if I think the way the Aztecs are playing, they're too athletic to get blown out in this game. Because this will be points because Houston puts up almost 80 points a game. They, they're they going to need Trey Keller, Devin Watson to hit big shots as they did in the Mountain mm-hmm. West tournament. Yeah. I thought that was a key for the Aztecs to clinch the auto bid was for someone to get hot from the perimeter. And we saw what Trey Keller did in the final. I believe he ended up with 28 points. He was excellent. And Houston's going to knock down shots. They're 61st in the nation in mm-hmm. effective field goal percentage, 35th in the nation in three-point percentage. Um, and, and top 30 in both offensive and defensive efficiencies. So they play a really good brand of basketball. I think that the key for San Diego State is, I, I know I mentioned the backcourt hitting key shots, mm-hmm. but Cameron Rooks has played really well, and he hasn't hasn't seen a ton of playing time throughout the year, but he did make some nice plays and got to the line in the Mountain West tournament. If he or Jalen McDaniels or Malik Pope, who's also been playing well, if any of those three can break out in this game, and make an impact, I think that will be huge because Houston is fairly undersized. They're, I guess they're key five rotational guys. Only one of them is six foot six or taller. Devin Davis is six foot six, 225. So he's not even, that's not even that much in terms of weight. Six, six, 225. That's, I mean, Chandler Hutchison has a similar frame. Yeah. Breon Brady, six, eight at 250. And he's number two rebounder, like four game. Yeah. So, uh, San Jose State has a huge athleticism and size advantage down low, and if they can exploit that, I think that'll be huge. But despite Houston's lack of size, they're still 17th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage and 53rd in the country in defensive rebounding percentage. So hmm. they're able to lock down boards even though they don't have much size at all up front. All right, so like a few places like Joe Lenardi and others have them in the Sweet 16, speaking of Houston. Um, so in the bracket, really quick, who they um, who's the other um... – Oh, the on. other the other game in the pod? Yeah, sorry. But... It's a uh, number two seed Cincinnati and 15 seed Georgia State. Oh, so which it, could, which it could, could be Houston be, and Cincinnati round be, two? Yeah, Crazy. it could be, yeah, but uh, there is some upset potential there. Actually, no, sorry, that's the Nevada-Texas pod. No, My no, bad. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's Michigan-Montana, three versus 14. Interesting. Michigan, okay, we won't get to that. Also, real quick, I just noticed this. Apparently, some travel issues for San Diego State. 
Um, Dennis Dodd posted something on CBS. How this is an interesting title. How state LGBT laws complicated San Diego State's travel plans. <laughs> I I what? just I am just wondering. Um, blah, 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 blah. oh oh here's why because there's the um I think it's from La- is this a recent article yeah yeah this there's something long ago where stuff with people who were states who were discriminatory against like LBGT for whatever reason they weren't going to travel do business in those states like the thing in North Carolina like the bat transgender bathroom issue that's been a big deal for the past while but. San Diego State does not schedule regular season non-conference competition against the eight states on the California ban list. Oh, yeah, California State. So Kansas, Texas, Alabama, Kentucky, Mississippi State, North Carolina, South Dakota, and Tennessee. But they're, Well, that directly plays into this game, right? Kansas. So um, so here's what they said these days. Private funds, we don't have to worry about it. So that's hmm. basically what it is, regarding the law. Oh, it's just state funds. That's all it is. Okay. That's... Interesting. Okay. That, is a, that is an interesting yeah. wrinkle. I remember I remember hearing about that. I didn't know that was still in effect. But so yeah, so basically if it's a state school, if you're doing those states, you can't go state funding. Like they canceled we need it. Well, let's wrap it up because you gotta go and I gotta go too. So who's gonna win? Who do you got? I do have Houston winning this game. Oh man, really? Yeah, I'm sorry. What do you hate I the Aztecs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate them. I think that San Diego State has been shooting a bit. I don't want to say out of their league, but they've just been shooting so well. We saw what they did against Nevada, and they um, were so good offensively against New Mexico. I think that might start to wear out a little bit uh, against Houston, who definitely gets after it defensively and contests a lot of shots. So I'm taking Houston in this one. I'm going with San Diego State. It's that loyalty. Exactly, because apparently I love the Aztecs. No, I'll <laughs> Whatever. Um, I hate them. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Also, real quick, they gained um, a hundred thousand dollars was available for San Diego State to travel. So, from okay. the from the Mountain West Conference. So there's that too. Um, I just think the way they've been playing, like, I think they'll get one win because I know it's upset. It's it's a four point favorite, so it's not going to be overly upset. Big upset if they do win, but. I just think the way they play, athletic system goes a long way. So if they're shooting poorly, like look at the beginning of the New Mexico game. They started off poorly. They were shooting mm-hmm. cold. They came back in because second change points, more opportunities. And the rebound, I think, for Houston does scare me a bit if they can't out-rebound them. But I think I think it'll be close. But I think they'll get a victory. It'll be a close one, though. All right. Uh, yeah, it'll be a close game. I think that the final score will be within two possessions. Yeah, I think so as well. So, But I, I'll go I'll go Aztecs to go Houston. All right, next game, Friday, Nevada. Not Nevada, or not? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Can can I can I just take a second out and say how happy I am that we're able to talk about two Mountain West NCAA tournament? Yeah, games? finally. Oh man, it feels good. Game two, yes, not second, yes, second program. Um, so um, I'll have a Q and A up with um Brian Davis from the Austin American Statesman and oh, I'm gonna forget this guy's name from BurntOrNation dot com. They both responded like, "Great, I have two Q and As to go with <laughs> these teams." So. Houston, or no, not Houston, Texas, uh, Nevada. It's a TBS game. It's also the night game as well, the um, first primetime game, right? So it's like, what? I have too many tabs here. Was it 5 o'clock Pacific time? Something like it that? It is at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, so one oh, thirty. Oh, it is? You sure about that? Yes, that's according to Ken Palm. Okay. It's Ken, I, 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 I will not um, go against <laughs> Ken Palm. He... Lives, the magical computer. That's right. He lives. Um, I could say down the street from me, but that's not the case. But within thirty miles of me, so I'll give that credit. Um, but Texas, they're we're an interesting team. They still have it. Eric Davis is out for the uh, FPI probe. He's been suspended. They had one player with uh, I guess cancer no longer on the team. Or I think it's leukemia that's got hurt. And well, they played the Big Twelve. So you got to play Kansas. You got to play. Texas Tech. They have some... a lottery pick too in that's Muhammad right. Bamba. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I knew I was one guy I was forgetting about Bamba. Like and he has like a sprained toe, but he seems to be okay from as far as I can tell. So like this team has, despite a little bit of issues, talent guys not being there. But Bamba, I don't know. Shaka Smart, we can see that pressed all press defense, like just boom, crush everybody. Is that maybe in the works? It it could be. I think Nevada will handle it all right. And I think if there's, uh, this is gonna sound like a slight against Mohamed Bamba, uh-oh. but uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, I think if there's any lottery pick I would want to be on the opposite end of, it's probably Mohamed Bamba's side because I think Nevada will be just fine against him. Bamba's really lanky. He doesn't have a ton of weight on him, and he is still pretty raw. He's a freshman this year. Um, obviously a lot of talent. He's a very talented player and can jump out of the gym, but I don't think he will completely alter the 
the result of this game. I think Nevada's forwards will do just fine against him. If Elijah Foster will be able to match up with him if he comes off the bench or the Martin Twins. I think the health of Kendall Stevens is very important, though. I mean, we, we saw we were right there when Stevens got banged up and he suffered an ankle injury. I think he needs to be healthy because if he can step in and hit some baskets, that would be huge because Texas is a terrible, terrible three-point shooting team. They're 328th in the nation in three-point percentage and just 211th in effective field goal percentage. So the Longhorns really struggle to score the basketball. And if Nevada can get off to a quick start and lock things down defensively, they should be good to go. Also, um, yeah, I don't know what his injury is because we heard him yell. And so I, I, I'm i skeptical of Musselman saying, oh, he could have come back in a precautionary. We'll see. I don't know. I'm just saying we'll see. Um, also, one note real quick, Shockers and Mart on the Texas team, possibly the least experienced team in this NCAA tournament. So it won't be like Nevada last year. Basically, nobody ever coached player to be involved outside of uh, maybe one or two guys from transfers last year. But that's going to be big, the least experienced team. But then again, they play in the Big 12. So it's not like it's a big jump. It's tournament. It's a different scenario, different beast. But you play at um, Fog Island. You know what I mean? You play all these big places you're playing. So it's not that big a deal. But experience in tournament situations, one and done, it's a pretty big deal. Lottery pick, like I said, Bombas, you're going to show up and play well. But I would think... Nevada needs to do something because they haven't played wide. The first San Diego, San Diego State loss, I can give credit. End of the season, whatever. You have things wrapped up. But in the tournament, like they just, they were just athleticism, nowhere near the same level as San Diego State at all. They let Devin Watson, whoever, drive to the basket. Like defense was terrible because they let them dribble drive to the hoop. And then on offense, like I noticed this last year, and I know this is their offense, the way they play. But they do too much isolation type stuff, like holding the ball and shooting. Give me some movement. You can still hold the ball on the outside and pass a little bit, but if you have movement other places on the court, that does a world of great – well, what am I trying to say here? It helps you quite a bit if you're move, moving on the court. You can't just sit there and let Caleb Martin or Cody Martin or Kendall Stevens shoot a long three-pointer or shoot from late, deep in the perimeter. Move on offense a little bit to make some that because that's when they feel cold and – if you're shooting the ball outside, nobody's in there to rebound. It's like, what, what's that? What's that doing for you? That does nothing. Move, mu- muscleman. Tell them to move to the hoop. Do something. <laughs> yeah, I, the isolation offense can be frustrating if the shots aren't falling, and that's exactly what happened against San Diego State and the first half against UNLV in the Mountain West tournament. But I think that now that Nevada, maybe they've cleaned the slate a little bit, get some rest, get the guys put some shots up, and get the rhythm back, I think Nevada will be okay. Uh, I guess my one question, are you at all concerned about home court advantage? The The game is being played in Nashville, and that's not all that far away from Texas, and I think Texas fans um, will be pretty invested in this one. It's a bit. You remember how big Texas was earlier? I told you how giant the state is? I mean, it's closer than Reno. Sure. Um, would you like to know how long a flight is? And I'm not going to sure. pull a Calipari. Say six it's, hours. It's like, it's like the BPI of airplane flights. <laughs> Four-hour flight, including – Wow. Yeah. Driving. My bro- The reason I know this is well, my brother, Texas A&M, grad went to Nashville a couple years ago, for or maybe it's Lexington or something, but in that vicinity. Do you want to take a guess of driving from Austin to Nashville is? How many miles? No, no. Sorry, how many hours? Excuse me, hours. Oh. Um, maybe – 15 hours or so close 13 hour drive okay so it's not right. like it's it's not like it's a like me to vegas six hour drive five and a half hour drive mm-hmm. eight hour drive anything over 10 hours that's where i think that's too much i've driven from that's that's as far as me going from salt lake to san francisco 12 hours so it's not like it's that close however longhorn fans are crazy and they probably will go there a lot of them will be there but i'm just saying i think it's kind of a road game for nevada honestly i think it could end up that way could be because you want to drive from reno 31 hours get you better you better be on your road right now if you're gonna yeah drive. i was gonna say you better have started <laughs> it's yesterday night, you be there or have if multiple you're still in reno you will not be there by tip off you better fly it's seven hour flight six and a half hour flight so interesting okay here's a quick note frontier has a flight it takes 20 and a half hour 20 hours <laughs> <laughs> i don't know the stops but it's only 188 dollars and it's let's see it goes to Portland, Maine, back to Portland, Oregon. Wait, I want to see to... this. Hold on. I definitely want to see this. So, 
Green. Okay, here's what it is. Seriously. Um. Oh, it's not until Monday, April sixteenth. Never mind. But here's the okay, flight. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to. See you're that definitely one. beyond <laughs> Reno to Denver, and then you have a six. You're overnight. That's where it is. It's an overnight thing. So at seven p.m. leave Reno, Denver, ten thirty-five. You leave at two forty-six p.m. the next day. <laughs> that's honestly not a bad deal if you have family or something in Denver. It's actually not a bad deal if you do that because one eighty-eight. That's a really good price to go that far. But under the right circumstances. Yeah, of course. No kidding. But yeah, whatever. Okay, that's interesting. But uh, I don't. Know, I. I don't want to be homework because it's a pick 'em game. No, do we even mention the seeding for these matchups? Do we say what seeding? Yeah, seven versus ten. And I, you know what? That two fifteen matchup that that will play the winner of Nevada, Texas, Cincinnati, Georgia State. That one could get pretty interesting. I've seen a number of pick, people pick Georgia State, who has Ron Hunter on the sideline, who we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Georgia State upsetting Butler a few years ago. So if Nevada wins that one, maybe we'll see. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but maybe we'll see a repeat of that San Jose State Florida Gulf Coast matchup. Oh boy! All right, really quick. Some like from Cody Daniel. That's what I chatted with. Bomba's 100% healthy, so that's good. Um, the closest team they met, met matched up to Nevada, similar as West Virginia, in terms of versatility. Um, let's see what else does he have here. Any notes? Um, I guess I guess it's a pretty good comparison. Um, Jones is the only one that appears to. Uh, that's what. Oh. Here's what he says here. Um, Texas, Cal, and Nevada get hot from the perimeter, obviously for any yep. team. Wolfpack ranked 20th in threes, yes. And if Nevada does find a stroke, Texas doesn't own the offensive firepower to keep up for a yep. high-scored offense. So Nevada needs to push it because Nevada can score. They can push it and score points. And Nevada, and looking through Texas's uh, stats and other stuff, their offense, eh, there's a reason they're what, what they finish middle of the pack at best in Big 12. So... Um, I think if Nevada hits 80 points, they've got this thing in the bag. All right. So what's your what's your prediction? Because we get to wrap. I it think up. Nevada wins. I think Nevada wins this one. Me too. Two and zero first weekend. Two and zero. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? I'm going. I'm doing. It. I'm going two and zero. It's been so long since the Mountain West has had an NCAA tournament win. When's the last uh, Sweet 16 appearance? Is that? Um, oh, probably San Diego State. When they lost. Oh yeah, because the year after Florida Gulf Coast, right? I think. Uh, it must have been before then. Looks like we have be? 2014 lost in the regional semifinal. They okay. went 31 and five that year as a four seed. They uh, beat yeah. Mexico State, North Dakota State, and lost to Arizona. Okay. Oh yeah, so they got the nice North Dakota State round two matchup. <laughs> yeah, that that was nice. All right. Yeah, I mean, if Nevada plays Georgia State the second round. Oh, that would be pretty sweet too. Oh, I like how. Hold on, I see a tweet here from Fresno State. Really quick, Rodney Terry resigned as head coach. <laughs> That's what they put on there. <laughs> well, I get in a way. But no buyout, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> All right, um and we're good. Um if we hear from we'll hear from us again, who knows when because odds of us doing a quick turnaround for the, the round of thirty two, probably not the case because they play Thursday or Friday, but we'll be back um Sunday night, I guess. Is that a good time frame to recap and chat about stuff after all those yeah, games? Should should be able to make that work. And like I said on Twitter the way too early Mountain West 2019 preview will be out as soon as the Mountain West teams are eliminated from the NCAA tournament. So or, hopefully, or, hopefully that's not time soon. Yeah, or somebody notes. What do you mean eliminated? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. That was good. <laughs> I like it. It. I like uh, okay, um, not to look too far ahead. Let's really quick because I know we're both crunched for time. Any chance for a Sweet 16 matchup? For either Nevada or San Diego State? Yeah. Who would you give the better odds of? I know you predicted the uh, Aztecs to lose, but... Since you have Nevada winning, do you think they could beat Cincinnati if that's who they play? I think Nevada has a much better shot than San Diego State. And I, I don't love San Diego State, how they match up with Michigan. I think Michigan is uh, definitely a Final Four caliber team. Nevada yeah. against Cincinnati would be a great matchup. Cincinnati doesn't have a ton of size either, but they are excellent defensively. And so if Nevada can score baskets against Cincinnati, I, I guess they're somewhat a similar mold as Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, better defensively and not nearly as bad offensively. So it would be a similar matchup, but I think Nevada would be able to hang with Cincinnati. So I think that Sweet 16 chances, although I wouldn't bet on them, I wouldn't be shocked either if they were to happen. All right, then. That's that's what we got for you tonight. Eli Betker. And also, it's unfortunate you're not going to be in town for that Boise game. You're heading to Chicago, so that's terrible. I know. I was bummed about that. That would have been fun to cover and like see a- Chandler Hutchison again. Again, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, yeah, check us at MWR.com. Again, everybody who checked out the website, you're still coming back, mostly. We are showing up on this Googles, so if you search anything about the West, it's probably us. So thank you for that. Next step for you guys, share the podcast. Give it a retweet. 
Give it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, whatever you, wherever your podcast of choice is. Rate it. And, um, yeah, like we always say, five stars. But tell us how you really feel. If we suck, say five stars needs improvement. Great, we still want the five stars. Quantity matters. <laughs> we'll as take well. it. We'll take it. So yeah, thanks for um, everybody who's listening and tuning in. We'll have more basketball next week, and we'll have and basically the coverage we had during Mountain West Tournament Week will carry over because we're dedicated and we want you to read our stuff as we found out. So again, thank you for all that. And until next time, um, hoping for a Sweet Sixteen, folks.